This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Live from the Accessible Media Studios, this is Kelly and Ramya. Entertainment, lifestyle, and great conversation. It's AMI's on-air community, and everyone's invited. He's back. Oh, and me too. Grant Hardy joining us from Vancouver today. Uh, Ramya still off nursing a bit of a or whatever because you don't know nowadays until you go get checked, test run. What's wrong with me? Uh, she's feeling under the weather, but uh, getting better, just to let you know, folks, feeling a little better, a little stronger all the time. Grant, glad to have you back with us. Fantastic to be back, but we are really sending our well wishes here to Ramia. Hope she can recover over the weekend, even though you guys kind of have a busy weekend coming up. Yeah, lots of stuff going on. Uh, I think you've got some things going on. Uh, we've got some work with uh, students at the WRS McDonald School happening. Um, I've got snow out here, and so do you at your end. My goodness, mm. it seems to be everywhere, cold and snow. So let's talk about something a little warmer. We're going we're to talk about this more a little later on in the show, Grant, uh, when we get okay. into the Consumer Electronics Show. But this is something that it dawned on me before we went on the air that you've actually been at. We've only dreamed of taking the show there and maybe <laughs> hosting it from there. Oh, gosh. But you've actually been there for AMI-TV shooting a story. Wow. It's amazing to think back to that about uh, eight years ago. And that, it was so amazing. That's the kind of place that you can literally go with, like, no plan at all. You just schedule, like, a full day of shooting. You go there, and there's stuff all over the place, man. All kinds of technology and gadgets and industry insiders, too. Let's hope we can take the show there one day because it's a oh wonderful experience. What part of it would you say if you had to nail one thing because you were trying to sell it to make, let them take you back there? What was the one thing you'd say that really made your piece? Uh, well, we met Stevie Wonder eight years ago. Uh, wow. That was that was incredible. That was incredible. Our producer oh. at the time uh, somehow convinced his team to uh, line up an interview. So that was that was fantastic. But I, I'm a gadget guy too. So uh, yeah, especially especially all the accessibility gadgets and phone gadgets and stuff that you wouldn't think are accessible, but then you see it, touch it, and you realize I could actually use that. And that was great for the insiders to see like, oh, I dig that this is accessible for you. So That's awesome. That was really fun. Mm -hmm. Steve, Stevie, a gadget guy too, right? I.e. a good, a great interview because there's so much he relates to and of course our community. Absolutely. Okay, folks, we'll take a look as we'll get into more from uh, the Consumer Electronics Show in a little while on the program and some other tech a little later as we're swinging open the gateway to your weekend. On today's program, let's start with the app update in a while. John Dealer is going to dive into more gadgets at the Consumer Electronics Show, including a device that tunes your tongue into a mouse for your phone. Also, the Toronto Raptors made a massive trade, dealing away all-star Pascal Siakam. Brock Richardson makes it all uh, breaks it all down on our sports update. Oh boy, a lot of talk there. We'll get into that. And folks, two celebrities are releasing books later this year. Ryan Huey, he's excited. He tells us more on the Chatty Bookshelf in hour two. Well, folks, next week, NATO will launch its biggest military exercise in decades. 
Some 90,000 personnel are expected to take part in months of drills. Top officers say the drills are to show that the alliance can defend all of its territory up to its border with Russia. In the months before Russian troops went into Ukraine in February 2022, NATO began beefing up security on its eastern flank with Russia and Ukraine. It's the alliance's biggest buildup since the Cold War. In the exercises, troops will be moving to and through Europe until the end of May in what NATO describes as a simulated emerging conflict scenario with a near-peer adversary. I'm Donna Water. So you'd like to think, Grant, when you hear this, oh, this is the same maneuvers, exercises. Sure, it's a big one, but this is the stuff military has to do. We're just hearing about it. But I don't feel more settled knowing they're doing this. Yeah, I mean, I think as a, a lay person, we'd all just like to think, you know, why can't we just have world peace everywhere? Why do we kind of need this? But when you look at these just terrible emerging and existing conflicts that are happening uh we really do need that like we need militaries we, we need these exercises we need to be prepped it's scary and it's morbid and yes it's unsettling but i guess i can kind of see why we have to do it i think not just keeping people sharp getting them in mind that hey it's potential that you will see conflict kind of action some of you many of you more than we'd ever like to but i also think it's the flexing of the arm and saying hey this is we're prepared guys this is what we have if we have to deal with anything we are prepared we stand together here's the massive force and i don't know i don't know if there's that thought that maybe you know countries that we could be in conflict with or circumstances might stop and say yeah i don't think i want to invite that yeah i, I really think we need to kind of back ourselves back I'm not sure if that even is in their minds as this would work, this is it, or more the necessity of doing it. So anyway, I wanted to share that with you, ladies and gentlemen. It's it's stuff to think about. But please also think about the fact that we're swinging open the gateway to the weekend. Get me all set. And Grant is here with me, and we've got a lot ahead. Let's tell you uh, who's coming up next after the break. Gardener Susan Kearney, she's going to stop by. Talk to us about some indoor plants that don't mind our winter low light conditions. I mean, last week we talked about uh, ones that grew plants that grew under the snow. We'll see what she has for us today on the program when we return in two minutes. Don't miss a minute. Kelly and Ramya will be right back. with Grant Hardy. He's joining me today here on Kelly and Rumya. And before the break, we were talking briefly about, Grant, you getting that opportunity to interview Stevie Wonder at the Consumer Electronics Show. Um, I'm kind of curious, how fast did that come together? As you said, you can go into an event like that and don't have to necessarily know, we're going to hit here, 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 and here right off the bat this morning because there's so much that's going to come to you, basically, that you're going to stumble over. But putting something together like that, hey, uh, can we interview Stevie? Will he give us some time? How quickly did that come together? Yeah, I mean, that came together super quickly. And I actually really have to give credit to our producer at the time. Uh, her name was uh, Carrie Lynn, and she was incredibly skilled with interacting with people because we literally she literally just saw stevie wonder uh milling around the convention hall and initially his people 
because you know he had a bodyguard his people are oh, like gosh, yeah i can't get involved in this what are you what are you talking about and she was able to <laughs> you know literally like introduce us and talk tell them what we did and, and get him around to talking to us uh, in just a couple of minutes it was like seriously impressive work on on her part Oh, that's really phenomenal. But, you know, Stevie's interested in broadcasting. That's been part mm -hmm. of his, his his repertoire of things that he has been involved with. And we know about accessibility. We know where he stands there. So uh, really great. And, and what, a, what a cool thing to have happen and what a cool event. Folks, Grant Super Hardy and I cool. settle back now. And as we welcome in, as we do on Fridays to get into our gardening chats, Susan Kearney. Hello. I'm Susan Kearney. Join me on Kelly and Ramya for the joy of gardening by using touch, taste, scent, and sound. Gotta watch my memory, Sue, but I'm testing it here. Uh, snowdrops, is that our last little friend we talked about last week that grow under the yeah. snow? Is that the right? Yeah, see? Yes, that's, um, that's correct, yes. I thought that was absolutely fantastic, and I love that we're we're getting into this discussion, especially in the month of January, where there's already enough darkness, enough things that make us say, oh, ho, oh, hum. And today on the <laughs> topics are some of the plants out there that don't mind that low life, those short days, the what we're, what we're dealing with now. Yes, uh, yes. And, and amazingly enough, all of these are tropical. So that oh. is very interesting because when we think of tropics, we often think mm. of a lot of sunshine, but there yeah. are tropical plants that don't mind um, low light uh, because they grow under other plants. And we'll mm. start with the first one, and that is the bird's nest fern. And this is a beautiful um, subtropical fern, and it, <clears throat> it grows in um, par parts of uh, Asia, uh, Australia, uh, Hawaii, a lot of the islands down in the South Pacific because it is subtropical. And because it's a fern, it um, grows underneath other plants, like other tropical trees and so on. So it, um, it doesn't mind the low light. So we can have that mm. as a houseplant in our homes. Mm interesting because i picture ferns as very like delicate plants you know yeah. but if i plunk it down in a city like vancouver where it's sort of dark pretty much all the time during the winter uh it would do okay hey potentially anyway <laughs> well, this this one likes to be indoors it isn't it we, we here in in uh, in, in our um, or even in in Vancouver um, you would have to have this plant indoors. It, it prefers uh, a moist um, uh, uh, area of the house, so a bathroom is a very good place for it. It does very well in the bathroom because it does not really like to be watered from the bottom um, of it in into the soil. It prefers to be misted, so um, oh, you misted. can mist that with a <clears throat> with a mister, like a like a bottle that has a mist on it. Um, you can do that, and also when you're running the water or shower um, in in the bathroom, there's a lot of moisture that is in there, mm. and that um, fern will soak that up. Yes, and they are very delicate. Believe it or not, ferns are they feel delicate. They're not really. They're one of our <laughs> oldest plants on earth. Um, they, wow. and, they, and they have that kind of carpeted 
feel to the leaves, don't they? I, I almost want to say yeah. it's like, yeah, almost like a velvety feel. <clears throat> yes. Um, and they, they tend to, and, and this is called a bird's nest because it sort of winds around itself. It's a, it's, it's a it's a lovely fern, um, and 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 that, yes, and delicate. That's a good word for it. Um, and <laughs> and I like it because it, it it sort of brightens up brightens up a bathroom. It's it's nice and green. It'll brighten up a bathroom and does very well in in that kind of low light, um, high moisture area. So, do you actually, you know, again? The behavior in a house, that's one of the places you, as you exit, for those, you know, needing them, you just turn the light off. Um, if, if, if that's in the dark for, more, you know, like hours a day, still thrives? Um, <clears throat> if you have it in a bathroom that does not have windows, um, I would suggest uh, taking it out for a couple of hours to um, what we call dappled sunlight. So that could be, you know, um, yes. e even on like on a table where there is, um, you know, just sun sunlight coming in. Ferns cannot take full sunlight. They burn hmm. um, because wow. they, they are filled with, you know, water, um, they're very, very delicate. So they don't like to be in full sunlight. But, yes, you could put it out there. and then, But then put it back. It, it doesn't mind a good 15, 18 hours of uh, not being in any light at all. Wow. So, that's yeah, that, that's, it's, that's a, it's a good place. <laughs> that's really cool. Okay, now what one do you want to talk about next? Well, I'm going to talk about the philodendron because um, I think a lot of people have them and a lot of people grow them. They are fast growing. It's also a tropical. Um, but I'm going to put a caution right at the beginning. If you have dogs or cats, do not have this plant. Uh, it is very toxic to dogs, especially. I, I probably believe cats uh, um, are um, will get very ill from it too. But what happens to a dog if they eat this plant and they don't have to eat very much of it? Um, they actually um, their, their lungs can um, stop working. They can go oh into um, yes, yes, like okay, anaphylactic shock. Yes, uh, yes, pretty well. Um, it, so, if, so if you have dogs, don't don't get this plant. If you don't, it's a, also a good plant to be in low light, <clears throat> fast growing. Um, it does bloom, and um, actually, I I know some people who do have this plant that they actually they can bloom in February and March. Uh, so you know, it gives you a little bit of um, nice uh, flowering. But um, again, cautionary: do not have this if you have a dog i don't have them um i have grown them and uh when we didn't have a dog but since we've had dogs for so long that was a very long time ago because they were very fast growing and and quite easy to look after uh they don't need too much attention they also like to be misted but you can also water those from the bottom okay you, you, how much how light Oh, you know what? I, it, again, dappled light, and um, it can take uh, up to almost 15 to 18 hours of darkness, too. It's another okay. one of those plants that don't need a tremendous amount of light. Well, the 18 hours plant. sounds good in Vancouver, because that's pretty much how much darkness <laughs> I feel like we have in the winter. It, it's interesting evolutionarily, though. You almost have to wonder the if there was sort of a why it was designed the way it was because I find that some of these I guess because it's meant to be in the tropics but I find that some of these 
toxic plants to our animals happen to be really attractive and tasty to them, which seems uh-huh. to make things they worse. Are. You know? That <clears throat> that is interesting because yes, a lot of our um, a lot of the poisonous plants are very are very attractive. It's it is very interesting. Um, I often think that perhaps it might have something to do with their survival. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, very, protection. Um, yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. They, they will, um, you know, find their own ways to survive and, and throughout, um, you know, th- throughout the, the evolution of the plants and, and so on and where they grow. Um, yeah, that, that, yeah, <laughs> very true. Well, it's also interesting when you say they grow beneath other plants. That's, again, going back to the evolutionary thing, the stance. It just seems interesting. But, again, when one stops and says, yeah, but you're you're talking forested area, jungle area, wherever they may be, yeah. obviously some things are higher, taller, shorter, smaller, rate, at rate laying on the floor of, of the jungle or whatever it might be. And, and yeah. there are going to be so many different things that do that. And why wouldn't we want some of those things on our kitchen table or whatever, when when they may lend themselves to growing better there. Mm-hmm. Yes, and and um, I would put the philodendron into. Um, I would put that in a bathroom also. Um, it can take the you know the moisture. It likes to be misted too, and 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 it doesn't mind the darkness. Now you can take it out once in a while to, and when it's a bit of a sunny day to give it a little bit of sunshine. It does need some dappled light. So, you know, that's a good move them around. Um, I, I'm constantly moving my plants around, especially this time of year, um, so that, you know, some of them can get more light um, one day and a little bit more because they do need that. But mm-hmm. um, the, the, the lower light ones, uh, you know, you can keep on a, um, on a table away from a window or, as I said, in, in, a, in a low light bathroom area. Nice. Nice. What a way to liven up certain areas. Want to talk about your snaky yeah. friend? <laughs> oh, yes. Now, this is one of my favorites. And I come back to this plant because it's so easy to grow. Um, so I, I, everybody should have one of these. It's, it's a lovely plant. It is a succulent. It, too, is a subtropical. Uh, and, uh, and when it um, goes into dark, um, it starts to breathe oxygen. So it's a very good one to have in the bedroom or bedroom areas. Uh, I, I have um, several in the TV room. Uh, so my husband watches the TV, but he doesn't have any lights on. And I figure with the, you know, being in there watching TV, he has to have all those snake plants. So I've put a <laughs> lot of snake plants in that room for him. So there's lots, lots of oxygen going on there. And, and also in all the bedrooms, I have them in, um, in, in the bedrooms um, because I, I think it's important to keep that um, oxygen level. And they're, they're so easy to grow. They, they, they're a fun plant. They're just, you know, they... They don't need a tremendous amount of care, uh, and um, yeah, and they're very, you know, they're very easy to get along with. So it's and and give us a good amount of oxygen at night. So the lower and, and the light, the more oxygen. 
<laughs> I love how when you have a like a green thumb, like when gardening is such a core part of your life, you're like always looking to accommodate people with plants. Like instead of like ah, oh, turn off the TV, you're like oh, I wonder what I wonder what plants would would work best for the TV room. <laughs> Yeah, and, and because yeah. I, we we talk about um, you know like different uh, uh, like being around a lot of electronics and so on, um, and mm-hmm. and and a lot of plants will actually take some of that um, out out of the air. Um, I, it's very interesting. They've they've actually learned to live with us, which is really yeah. really nice. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a nice thing to think think of it, and and often um, people will take um, different plants um, and and put them into um, into office areas, and for that very reason, mm-hmm. um, to um, keep the you know keep the air clean, um, and <clears throat> because when we do have a lot of electronics, there is a lot of there's there's heat going out there's um other other things um certain amount of of light level a lot of I static too. That, Yes, a lot of yes, a lot of static that thing, and so when when we have those plants, they they've learned to live with us, and um and and we should we should utilize that. They're, awesome. they're very um yeah. Suze, do you feel that in the air, like with the snake plant, with the as you breathe and everything like that? Because we talk about in the summer, have your vegetables, have your salads. You feel kind of a freshness with fruit and so on. You feel that just breathing that air too. The difference. Yes, if you have enough snake plants, and they they you actually do. Um, they have done studies where your sleep is much better because you're getting that oxygen. Uh, I I have several in in most of my rooms because as soon as it goes dark and there's no light on, they automatically start that. That is what they do. They switch over to putting oxygen out into the air. So that wow. that's a, a a good thing. What a tremendous filter. Wow. Uh, Suze, as usual, thank you. Bye. We'll carry this on next week. Susan Kearney, we talked to on our Fridays as part of our lineup. It's gardening uh, to kick our show off. Up next, ladies and gentlemen, we have the app update. John Dealer is going to jump into some of the fun gadgets at the Consumer Electronics Show. You know it. We started talking about earlier. Well, he's got a lot more for us as he joins us from Vancouver. Stick around and learn something new. Kelly and Ramya return with more in a moment. Over the weekend, do yourself a favor and catch the pulse this Saturday and Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. This week on the program, in the first of a three-part series on accessible fashion, Joita speaks to Izzy Camilleri, the founder of Is Adaptive, a clothing a clothing brand that provides accessible fashions for people with disabilities. That's the pulse this Saturday and Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific on AMI Audio. Also available on your favorite podcast platform. And if you want to watch it, check it out on YouTube. Kelly McDonald here with Grant Hardy. Kelly, it is time to check in with John Beeler for our weekly app update. Hi, I'm John Beeler, technology expert from Vancouver. Join me on Kelly and Ramia where I share the latest app, mobile and tech news. Everything from accessibility and product launches to privacy and security. We'll cover the gamut. 
Hey, John, happy Friday. You surviving the snow out here? Yes, I've been basically <laughs> trapped in my house since Wednesday, so it's all good. Ah, you and me both. Well, doesn't seem like there's any technology out there to make the snow disappear just yet, but we do have some cool <laughs> stuff to chat about. Um, let's start with the Rabbit R1, if I'm saying that correctly. Sounds like an interesting gadget. Do you want to chat about that? Yeah, this one is, I didn't see this one coming at all. Um, it is basically a, an AI-powered gadget um, that has the potential to replace your smartphone. Um, they've got a couple of really interesting sort of takes on things, and this is not just another AI chatbot that you will interact with and you'd say, you know, give me some text or give me an image. What the rabbit does is um, they decided to, instead of, trying to teach, uh, you know, um, basically the AI to do those things that are already kind of commonplace elsewhere, they went a different tact. And, and also, instead of having to get a bunch of developers create apps for this gadget, they thought, well, why don't we just teach the gadget how to use all the existing apps we already know? Right. So think ah. how to use Uber and and how to use um, you know Amazon and all these other things that we would normally have to interact with and do multiple steps just to get to, to do something, and so they focus their AI um, training models on to that, which is actually quite a stroke of genius because that makes it really easy for then um, for the system itself to have a much larger capacity of apps as more people use this and train it themselves, which it does have its own standalone training mode. So if you have some unique app or something like that, you can train it yourself on your device and then it sort of feeds into the collective mindset of this language model. Wow. It's a very small little device. It's about half the size of a phone, smartphone, and it does have a touch screen. It has a rotating camera on it and a simple button. It's just, it's very basic and it's meant to be specifically used with your voice. Um, but you have the screen, which is also a touch screen to sort of, um, confirm things. You do have to log into uh, sort of a web portal to give it permission to use your Uber app and your other various apps like Spotify and things like that. But once you've done that once, uh, essentially you can just tell it to, you know, play some music, order me a car, do whatever with your voice and the AI will do all the work for you. I'm thinking this could be really cool from an accessibility perspective, too, mm -hmm. because I always run into the situations where, you know, for example, a food delivery app is really accessible, but then you go to tell them, oh, I had a problem with my order or whatever, and suddenly, for whatever reason, I can't use that screen. It doesn't let me click on things. So I'm thinking for something where you need to use something, but it's not fully accessible, that could be really cool to have the, the AI interact with it. Yeah, I really think this has a, a huge amount of possibilities. The other interesting thing is it's very affordable. It's uh, 200 US, so about 250, two, I think it was 275 Canadian with shipping. Um, they sold out of their first batch in minutes, and they have more batches <laughs> coming. Basically, it's going to be shipping later this spring. But I think it has a, a, a really interesting potential um, for a lot of different reasons. And uh, I, I'm not quite 100% sure this is going to you know, replace my smartphone, but certainly this has 
elements of things that we've also talked about before, like the uh, humane AI pin, uh, which is a similar kind of technology that's sort of coming where everything's sort of done in the cloud. Um, but it's just a really interesting space. And I really like the fact that they sort of twisted uh, the training models onto the apps themselves instead of uh, the output that you get from uh, your typical language models. I, I wonder how fast training happens when you're messing around. It seems like it's incredibly intuitive. Yeah, it sounds like, from, and, and again, not a lot of people have had a chance to play with this. This is still mm -hmm. very much in early stages, but it sounds like it's about 30 seconds to train something on it. But it depends wow. on how complex your app is and yeah. also how accessible will it be on this little device when you're trying to log into the portal and you know assuming it knows the app that you're wanting to use and if it doesn't then you're gonna have to spend time clicking through and, and that that part might not be the most accessible piece of this puzzle yeah yeah and i would imagine that like you said there's not a lot with the touch screen there's not a lot there that way but obviously it it would learn your whatever you want it to your voice over and that as well i would imagine or John, it has, does it have its own, well, because it's got to interact with you, it, does it have its own specific speech program? I, it has their own operating system, so I would suspect it does. Um, yeah, that's part we of haven't it. seen a lot of examples of it yet. But the other interesting thing you can do with this too is it's not just limited to sort of on-the-go use. Um, they have sort of like a virtual version of it that you could install on your laptop. So you can actually oh. do the same kinds of things to your desktop apps as well. And the example they gave is doing a fairly complex bit of Photoshop photo pro, uh, processing, uh, manipulating a bunch of photos, in, you know, repeatedly and basically training the, 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 the AI, like, this is how I want you to do it. And then you can just say, okay, go and do that thing on my Photoshop <laughs> folders now. And uh, it'll just That's be that. amazing. Wow, not to mention just gets you grounded in it, gets it part of your world and and then move it to either way from either device to to the other to and just start making it take over or, or just be so entrenched as you get working it. Uh, let's move on to your second item. The mouth pad turns your mouth mouth hang on mouth into a mouse for your phone. Yes, okay, I wanted to make sure I was saying that right, John. Yeah, this is a really neat uh, gadget. Uh, these types of devices are not new, but this particular one sort of stood out to me because I haven't quite seen one quite as uh, slick as this one. Uh, essentially, mm -hmm. what they've done is they've 3D printed uh, from a, a mold of your mouth a very small and very thin retainer that has basically a trackpad, uh, a Bluetooth uh, controller, and a battery built into it. So essentially, you can use your tongue to navigate your phone or your computer. And you know they're claiming that this is much more accurate and more precision uh, for those types of tasks with your tongue, especially if you have any kind of mobility or, or other issues where you can't use your hands uh, to do those types of things. And it just, it seems really nice and small. And you might have a slight lift with it when it's in your mouth. Um, but other than that, it's pretty much normal. So the average person may not even notice that you're wearing it. Wow. And, and maybe if you had, like, if you're on the city bus or whatever, it may give you what seems strange enough, a little more control than your hand trying to move things, tap on things or do anything. But like, like that's, that's fascinating. I, I can't even imagine thinking this up. 
Yeah, no, this is a really cool little gadget. I, I wasn't able to find a price for it, but it's it's sort of brand new, and it just seems really interesting and exciting uh, that they've got this little gadget. And I think a lot of people would be interested in this for a number of different reasons, depending on you know whether it's not just an accessibility thing, but also just a sheer convenience thing for some tasks as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah I wonder about the life lifespan of you know in, in, inside the environment using it the way and again for someone who has to this is an accessible need and that gives them so much power uh, i wonder you know again we know there's so much you could make that is would be waterproof or whatever you want to call it, saliva proof that's incredible yeah it's one of these things where again with so many accessibility yeah. tools i feel that for some for some people it's going to be just essential for other oh. people, it'll be fun to play with or just make life a little bit easier. And you'll have everyone yeah. in between, too. I just love <laughs> the, the things that we can get that we do uh, accessibly. Like, that that will make such a huge difference to someone else that some other people might, oh, that's kind of funny and that. But for someone else, say, you know what it gives me? <laughs> it gives me power. I am someone who tends to feel that Google probably knows everything about me probably more than i'm actually comfortable with them knowing and now they are admitting because of course they do that they collect data in chrome's incognito mode yeah this is uh kind of not a surprise but this is something that's sort of been brewing for a while um they've agreed to settle a five billion dollar lawsuit accusing it of tracking incognito users so what they've done is they've clarified what that actually means in addition to settling this lawsuit. Um, so now when you start using uh, incognito mode, uh, pr 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 primarily on the beta channel for Chrome right now, but it's coming to the sort of the stable regular version of Chrome very soon, uh, you're going to be prompted to sort of, ex and it's going to explain to you when you go to incognito mode, what is it actually doing? Mm -hmm. What it does is it it prevents people on your device from seeing your activities. So say, for example, you have a family computer, you want to shop for you know uh, a family member's gift and you don't want to show them what you've been shopping for, you would use yeah. incognito mode. Uh, that's a very simple simplifi simplification of how you would use incognito mode. The thing is, when you're using it, Google is still well aware of where you're going. Uh, the website that you're going to is well aware of where you're going, but someone else looking at your history is not going to see any breadcrumbs of where you've been on that device specifically. So they've clarified that position. And because a lot of people, I think, misunderstood incognito mode that it, you're invisible to the internet, and that's not the right. case. So do, you, do you know whether... Because obviously we have identifiers that tells Google that, okay, I'm connecting from the same house. But I'm wondering, like, do you know whether they relate it specifically back to you in incognito mode? It sounds uh, like they that's do, a, maybe. I, I would imagine they would, especially if you're using the same device all the time, you're using the same IP address for a similar IP address in a similar part of town. Google Maps already has you logged and plotted on mm -hmm. a map. You know, there's lots of things that they can make some pretty good educated guesses, and the AI will fill in the in the get in the blanks anyways. <laughs> of course it will. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's interesting because again, we know we're always being tracked one way or another. But then, yes, John, I'm sure so many people felt I've got the mode on. No one knows what I'm doing. No one in your house knows. Yeah. 
That's what I think people forget. Yeah, well, Google knows everything. Um, anything that you see, you know, with this now and the understanding, I mean, the clarification to me makes total sense. And, and your example is absolutely spot on. That's a great one. Uh, anything else people should know about this as we, you know, look at it going forward, especially any, you know, admitting that they're doing with this, do you think this will lead to something else? It's interesting because I mean, other other browsers have a, a, a more lockdown state. Like I know Firefox, for example, you yeah. can turn off all of that history and all those tracking uh, codes and tags and uh, cookies and all those types of things. So in essentially on Firefox and some other browsers, you are invisible to the internet or you're just an anonymized number. You're not something that they can actively track and, and tie back to something. Um, so I think Google to sort of save face would it be in their best interest to actually offer something like that, but also yes. it kind of goes directly against their primary business model, which is to exactly. earn revenue through advertising and tracking their users. Sounds oh, like boy. if I'm looking up the price for Taylor Swift tickets, I'm going to have to find a more subtle way of doing it. So the world doesn't go incognito. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It is always a heck of a lot of fun chatting with you. We've got to cut it off there, I think. But uh, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. Have a great weekend. And you nice, as well. And we'll chat with you next week. John Beeler will be back next Friday and every Friday for the weekly app update. We step aside for two minutes, folks. Food prices are set to rise in uh, 2024. We've heard it. We know it. But... There's more good news than the prior year. Beth Deer will fill us in when she joins us next for The Buzz. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. We're back, ladies and gentlemen, and keep in mind that uh, in case you miss... Our debut of the program, weekdays, Monday to Friday, we're here at 2 p.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Over on AMI-audio, you can catch us 4 p.m. Eastern and the first repeat of the program on both networks at 10 p.m. Eastern time whenever you can consume the show. We appreciate it. We always value your time and bring the best to you that we can. So settle back as we continue through our first hour of the program. I'm at the home studio in London, Ontario. Kelly McDonald here. Grant Hardy, he's at the studio in his home in Vancouver. And we welcome in to join us reporter and producer for on our show, Beth Deer from uh, Edmonton, Alberta. She's bringing a few things to talk about. We don't know what she's going to necessarily bring, us, bring to us any time that she comes on. A variety of subjects is what she has on our plate, as we call this segment. The Buzz, Beth, welcome back. Hello, hello. Yeah, I always bring a bunch of random things. Anything that piques my interest, I'm like, oh, I could talk about that. Um, and this did because it involves money, which I think is something that is important to all of us. Um, uh -huh, I know we sure. spoke it briefly. I spoke about it yesterday with Mary briefly um, about food prices are set to rise in 2024. Um, but they are meant to rise a little bit less than they did last year. Obviously, the fact they're rising at all still really does just suck for all of us. I think Mary said yesterday that it was like $700 is kind of the average of what's to be expected in terms of people's grocery bills going up, which... Yep. That is, uh, you know, that is crazy. Um, the, the report predicts that 
food costs will go up across most categories, with the highest being among bakery and meat and vegetables, um, all showing an estimate of between 5 to 7% increase, which is crazy. I have a friend that lives in the Yukon, and the other day she bought a packet of six bell peppers, they were twelve dollars. I could not oh, believe it. Wow. Well, and then the <laughs> thing know. out there too is they'll tell you because everything is gets to them after a while. Nothing's fresh. I mean, I know we can say that in any yeah. uh, people in Ontario are saying to say, "Well, nothing's fresh here because it's winter time." But the point is, you th- we think it's not fresh. So there for sure yeah. is is not fresh, and that these prices really will never fresh. go down. Prices, the prices will never go down. They may slow down. They may even come to a rest for a little while, but it's not like we're ever going to see this go back yeah. a year or two where we say, okay, guys, you know, the re- unless we stop buying something. Yeah. And the price will... Yeah. So I the love... report also... Oh, sorry, Grant, go ahead. Oh, that's okay. I love that we're in a position where we're like, the prices are going to keep going up, but at least like not as much as before. I know. Exactly. It's not just <laughs> And man, that is pretty much my diet is like fresh bread and meat mm-hmm. and a few veggies. So I'm going to be hit pretty hard by this, I think. <laughs> yeah, us too, though. Honestly, it's uh, it's ridiculous. But the report does expect that dairy and fruits will see the lowest rise um, at just 1% to 2%. Which still, I'm like, any increase is still not good oh enough gosh, for me. Yeah. Um, restaurants are expected to see a modest increase of three to five percent, um, and other foods uh, is expected to see a two to four percent. Which I'm still like, I just, I, yeah. I can't yep. wrap my head yeah, around yeah. it. I yep. know everyone, well, needs especially to when make you add it all right up. Now, but- Restaurant prices are so insane now. I cannot mm-hmm. get over like if if you order, you know, a tiny container of like, you know, like hot sauce or something, it'll be like two bucks or something. So yep. restaurant and then you have the are... tip discussion on top of that now going oh. on about tipping, yeah. about yes. the places that are wanting tips. I noticed that uh, I think it's Loblaws. Guys, forgive me, Loblaws folks, if I'm wrong, but they're day-old stuff. They're stuff that they need to move or or that they usually mark down where they were marking them down. And before Christmas, they said, we are going to mark them down. I think it was 50%. Now they're only marking to 30%. Oh, I heard Yeah, that. you're right, Kelly. No, you're exactly right. Wow. It's honestly, it's... It's absolutely ridiculous to me. Um, In the article, it said, the alarming thing about what we see in the report is that people aren't buying as much food as they would have if the prices had stayed the same as, say, two years ago. Yep. Which means that people are still spent you know are still spending the same amount of money, but obviously just getting way less, which I think like we obviously all understand that from the oh prices being well, and I hope that translates so to us wasting less. Maybe we're now saying, "Hey, yeah. when we throw out some of those, uh, you know, next day leftovers, maybe now we're saying, man, that's gold. Keep it, eat it.'" Yeah. Well, you know what? That's what we're doing in our house. Like, I'll be honest. I hand on heart have always been someone who's like, "Oh, I'll eat the leftovers," and then. You know, I find something more appetizing and before I know that before I know it, the leftovers are five days old and they're going in the bin. Um, but like the last few days it's like, nope, like we're gonna finish our broccoli, chicken and pasta. (laughs) Because you have to can't afford to do anything else. 
Like when you really think about, and I think back to the areas where, you know, during war or times in, where people were told, man, you're getting rations, you better make what you have mm -hmm. last, you know, and people learned they had to, whether they, well, it's starting to wilt. Yeah, I think, well, just cut off that mold, eat that bread. Oh, I do wonder, and we touched on this a little bit with Mary, but I do wonder whether we are going to move to a more plant-based diet because our phenomenon of having like, fresh plentiful cheap you know meats mm -hmm. like i think that's a pretty recent phenomenon uh, no, and no, no i think Grant, we're <laughs> gonna go to an insects diet <laughs> honestly Grant, that leads so perfectly into my next article because my next article was 35 tips uh on ways to save money but yes, i kind of just like went through and picked out like the ones that I thought would be uh, most relevant to us and for the most part our audience because there was ones like ride your bike to work and don't yeah. get me wrong I know there's lots of disabled people who do ride bikes Kelly I know that you do a lot of tandem bike riding but I don't think that I am to be honest capable of riding a bike like by myself <laughs> I could it would be incredibly I know dangerous. people don't want me riding it by myself you know what happened I don't well, know what hit me you could <laughs> try and train your a guide dog to do it they could bark the yeah. once if you're supposed to turn right, bark twice if like no mm -hmm. maybe that's not I guess now Patronus right, is retired maybe he wants to be a uh a bike, a bike guide dog. There you uh, go. Patronus I doubt it. Right? Like this dog wanna hates be, running. He'd want to be the stoker on the back. <laughs> yeah, right. he'd uh, he'd want a little carriage for himself in the back so he didn't have to run in front. Um, All right. I'm anyway, looking forward to these the tips. tips. Let's hear it. Yeah. So one of the tips was to you know swap out. I don't know, one to two, if you're a big meat eater, try meat eater, try to change out one to two meals a week so that it is just a plant-based meal. Um, ways to make it kind of feel like there is meat in there is to cook a normal recipe that you would normally cook something that's like a staple in your house for example we eat a lot of like curry and I know you're both gonna hate this but chili <laughs> um but making it just vegetarian, adding beans that kind of have like the same texture as maybe meat sometimes and things like that. Mm. So I thought that that was uh, really cool. And that's actually something that my, obviously I don't live with my family anymore. They're all in England, but like a few years ago, my sister watched this documentary and she's like, we need to start eating more plant-based meals and uh i know they had a few like vegetable curries in their rotation and things like that um either of yeah, you have it, any good meals i like vegetable curries <laughs> i was waiting for you to say the portobello mushroom or something like that to give you that feel but i do i like the curry yeah. based stuff yeah i mean it's it's better i think like it's better for prices it's better for the environment mm -hmm. it's better for the animals it's tough if you are a big meat eater i think to kind of make that transition both from a logistics to just like a okay what can i have that tastes good makes me feel the same but i can i can see the logic in, in oh yeah, yeah. Approach. yeah see sure. i know for <laughs> me like i'm a massive meat eater like i really struggle like i feel like I feel like I haven't eaten a meal if it hasn't contained me. Yep. I don't know. Like, that's just me. Yeah, but yeah that's I my upbringing, too. And I, like, I actually resent that. I hate it. 
Yeah. Well, and I can't do that. There's not enough items. I'm telling myself, you <laughs> fool, man. You like it. You could sit there and eat a grilled cheese sandwich, but you can't eat cheese pizza or just a piece of, you know, pepperoni on it. So I, I hear you. I, I know I was raised and a lot of it is the mental way of it. And I think that's what yeah, we're learning absolutely. more about fooling ourselves. Just fool yourself a bit. Yeah, yeah exactly. Also, Just trick your brain. Yeah. Yeah. I think also too, and not specifically for us, like I'm not being patronizing or anything, but I I do think there's that learning component, especially if you're not a big foodie or a big cook, where you're like, I kind of know how to prep these things, but like I wouldn't know the first thing about like how to prep a delicious, you know, plant-based uh, entree, whatever. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Got any other money-saving sure. tips you want to share? Yes, loads. Some not food-related, so I'll kind of uh, take a different route now. But avoiding impulse buys, I think this is something mm. everyone struggles with. You see something you want, you say to yourself, ah, oh, like, I don't do this very much. Like, screw it. Like, let's just buy it. Mm -hmm. I 100% have been that person and done that. Um, but taking some time to just step away and think about how much you really want something um, before you actually make that big decision. Uh, another good one that I uh, really think now is definitely more necessary with energy prices and stuff like that rising, uh, reduce your electricity bill by adopting the right habits, not leaving lights on, um, microwaving stuff instead of putting it in the oven if you can, that saves a lot of electricity, um, washing your clothes in cold water or lukewarm water really does make a big difference mm -hmm. in the price of your bill. Um, instead of, you know, obviously using hot water. Um, yeah, back to food too. a little bit. Um, buy store brand product. I personally am not someone that is like, I have to have like Clubhouse Spices or I have to have, you know, a brand name item. Actually, ketchup. That is the only thing. It has to be Heinz ketchup for me. But other than that, I will buy, you know, the grocery store brand of, absolutely everything if i can i, yeah, no, I, I wonder how much i've never thought about how much people notice with seasonings because you put them on stuff and mm -hmm. I, I actually never thought about hey was clubhouse better than no name x or whatever um you know garlic gar, you know a garlic powder i've never really noticed go ahead grant sorry yeah i mean i think that's really it is find find those those few brands that you're like i cannot do without like this particular yeah. spice mix whatever but everything else tissues and you know generic mm. brands of meds yes. and breads and stuff yeah absolutely like go to the off-label or store store stuff yeah and pick the things that and you're willing to do that with and that's that's all it takes it's a good start exactly and pick the things you're willing to splurge on too like i know for a long time a lot of people always bought their coffee like their morning coffee outside the house on their way to work and i feel like oh, yeah. since covid with people working at home more one of the things they said was make your morning coffee at home which i feel obviously a yep. lot of people are doing now um i know grant they you always to. make your coffee at home i used to do that a lot in toronto throw it in my mug and go um beth thank you we're out of time no worries thanks very much guys We'll talk to you in a little bit. Beth uh, joins us later on for uh, the heck's a segment called Cut for Time. Cut for Time. Coming up in the next hour, uh, we will get to Cut for Time for sure. And also, hey, folks, two celebrities are releasing books this year. And Ryan Huey is so excited about it. He tells us more on the Chatty Bookshelf. But up next, 
The Toronto Raptors made a massive trade, dealing away all-star Pascal Siakam. Brock Richardson is up next to talk about it. We'll do that in a moment. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. Of a funny thing, ladies and gentlemen, at this time of the day on our program, we start what we call the second hour. Now, isn't that just unique? Wow. Grant Hardy with me to continue our program today and be with me for the second hour. I'm Kelly McDonald. Thanks you for being with us as well, wherever you're listening in around the world through AMI-audio. Maybe you're listening uh, using the Radio Player Canada app, TuneIn Radio, any of those kind. Or, folks, maybe you're checking us out at AMI+. Plus. Thanks a lot. Glad to have you on board. It's time to talk sports as we welcome in Brock Richardson for our weekly sports update. I'm Brock Richardson, and I love sports. As a former pro athlete, I bring you the sports angle beyond the headlines, plus parasport news and analysis. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Lots to talk about, Brock, this week in sports. Let's start with your leadoff, if we would. Yes, so you guys have been uh, promoting it. I'm going to lay it out give my reaction and then I'm going to go to Kelly and then I got a second leadoff item before we go to the NFL. So uh, the Indiana Pacers have acquired Pascal Siakam in a deal that will send Bruce Brown, Jordan, Nora, and three first round picks to the Toronto Raptors. The New Orleans Pelicans are also a third team involved here and they will be sending Kyra Lewis to the Toronto Raptors. So Pascal Siakam is out and all of those pieces are back in. And I have to say, before I throw it over to Kelly, I have to say that originally this was a bit of an underwhelming trade. I thought Pascal Siakam was worth more of a bona fide player that we knew of, aside from Bruce Brown. Um, And I really thought that it was... We were going to get more. Then we heard from Raptors president, Masai Ujiri, uh, yesterday, who said, look, we were going to get basically the same kind of trade in the summertime as we did now. We got what we got, and we didn't want him to walk away. The other thing that I'll say here is that there was a couple of people on social media, which I trust very much, who said, I think uh, Masai Ujiri president and GM at this particular moment that I'm going to talk about now was... uh, traumatized, let's say, by the DeMar DeRozan deal. I think the fact that what happened there and he walked away and we didn't get anything back, he didn't want to do this here. And so that's why we see Pascal and OG walk away and we got something rather than nothing. Kelly, your thoughts before I move on to the second leadoff. I I think losing Van Vliet, just like that, um, walking away, I think getting a little underwhelmed with the Kyle Lowry thing. And I think people got to be realistic where Kyle was at when, when they made the deal with Miami and brought in Precious and the things that went on, you know, um, you're going to have that Precious gave to this team a lot. He wanted to. Um, and, um, and Lowry gave to Miami. Is it underwhelming? 
Sure it is. But you can only deal with what you can deal with at the time of. I know a lot of people go on about these draft picks being a weak draft coming up and what's Toronto really going to get, whether we use these or actually trade them away as well. We know between now and the trade deadline on the 8th, I believe, there's going to be something else happen, Brock. There has got to be one other move. Are we going to be satisfied by it either? No, we're going to cry and whine because we would like a championship <laughs> team now. Ain't going to happen. Yeah. We know that this is rebuild. What we don't want to see is a four-win season, which we won't now. We know that. Like the 76ers had during their teardown and rebuild one year. You, you don't want any of that. Um, I think he's – he, well, again – Who's going to call him out and say, you're lying. Last year, you could have. Some president might come out and say, well, we were going to give them this and that. To what end? Who's going to do that? The and the reality is you'll get what you get because of at the time. Should they have done it last year, Brock? Don't know. Don't know. Unfortunately, yeah. I don't have the crystal ball. And you never will know. Um, and that's and I thing. don't and we care, to, to be honest with you. I'm more excited <laughs> to see this guy go to a team. We weren't going to get Ben Matherin. We certainly weren't going to get Halliburton or any of the valued chips that that team is a team on the rise. They're going to be someone. They don't. They need to make a deal, and they made a deal, a good deal, and we should be happy. We're going to see a few of our Toronto boys who have worked hard with this team, who have stood there and, and fought for this team. We're going to see them be successful in other areas, and I think right now... We need to start saying this team with them on it was not going to be or is not going to be a run deep into playoffs team. So let's get, get to work. You know, let's get to work. You get what you get and you don't get upset. That's what my mother used to tell me. So the fact right. that we're getting something and not nothing is is really good. The second thing I have to share with you guys is something that's really kind of sad is the fact that we heard from uh multiple sources that Golden State Warriors assistant coach Dijon Molyakovic uh, passed away uh, during a sort of a medical emergency that he had at a private function with the team themselves. I want to note to everybody when this kind of situation happens and the coach literally has a death when you're at the this dinner and you're all part of it and you're all kumbaya we're all except this is really something against athletes because they look at this and say man this was one of my 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 brothers my coaches it's a family and i know it's cliche and people always say that but it truly truly is a family and i can't imagine what these athletes are going through witnessing to that medical emergency and then uh, succumbing to the the emergency oh, itself so just gosh. a terrible terrible situation and our hearts go out to the uh, golden state warriors go ahead grant i mean it's in incredibly traumatic like you can't get more sort of traumatic than that having an emergency in front of everyone but mm -hmm. from uh, you know not to sound sort of morbid talking about like the team here but like after something like that i would imagine a coach a referee somebody involved deeply with a team like that that would have a significant effect on the play as well it would have to because but, literally like i said it, it's the family and you know if if something traumatic happens you 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 go through the ups and downs with your team and so for me this this is something that thankfully i've never had to do but i can tell you that you get real deep relationships 
with some of the coaches. So, uh, yeah. yeah I so the, the Raptors president yesterday as part of that press conference made the remark that in regard to this passing that they, for the new uh, Raptors coach through the summer um, before he came on board uh, Darko, uh, they interviewed about 15 people and 11 of those people referenced this fellow. They referenced what a great person he was working with him. Uh, Nusai Najuri had worked with him at some point and just spoke so highly. So uh, you saw an emotional reaction as he was asked a question about him. So um, very sad, very sad to see this. You yeah. you never, of course, it's it's so shocking. You think of the team, what they get from the you think of the person's family, um, and at forty six years old, at a, just too young. Yeah, for sure. Um. If we wanted to move on to something a little bit lighter and obviously, you know, got to extend our, our heart, hearts uh, out uh, because of this tragedy, uh, but moving on to something a little bit lighter, do you want to talk about this weekend's uh, NFL divisional round and uh, some of the matchups that are going to take place? Yeah, so the first one... I'll highlight for you is uh, Green Bay and the San Francisco. Uh, this is going to be a very interesting matchup. San Francisco has been running like a machine. Brock Purdy and his receiver Christian McCaffrey have been really playing really, really well. Green Bay is coming into this situation where two weeks in a row, they have played significant underdog roles in all this, and they love this role. But I have to say that I believe San Francisco's uh, run is ending here. But if I was to highlight an underdog upset, that would be the game that I would highlight. The second game that we'll highlight here for you guys is uh, the Detroit Lions and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You could make the argument that neither team really belongs in this game. Uh, both teams respectively lost to the LA Rams and Philadelphia Eagles. And here we are. They're here. If you're Detroit, you're looking at this and saying, We've made history and said we're gonna, you know, we're gonna move on from our 33 years for the first time winning a playoff game and we're gonna do this. If if we're others, we're looking at this and saying, Yeah, we're we're we don't belong here, but we're gonna play with house money if we're if we're Tampa Bay, you know. So it this is gonna be another good good matchup. So those are the two that I would highlight for you in the NFC. Okay, what happened to the Eagles? What happened to the Eagles? Well, you get off to a 10-1 and one, uh, start, and you kind of can sometimes, as athletes, take your foot off the gas. And I think they looked at themselves and said, we're going to be in the playoffs, and we'll get into that second gear when we get there. Well, they didn't get there, and they lost. Oh, and when you're in a one-game one playoff and it's win or go home, you need to get into that <laughs> second gear real quick, and they just simply did not. Huh. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. I guess it's a combination of like hard work, superstition, attitude, mm -hmm. things that, uh, misconceptions. Uh, let's really quickly move over to the AFC. Yes, uh, Baltimore Ravens versus Houston Texans. Ball Houston is an extreme underdog in this situation. They have the youngest uh, quarterback in C.J. Stroud, who really made an, uh, an impression, and I think he's going to do the same. But Houston has something, or uh, 
Um, Baltimore has something to prove. They're the first seed in the AFC, and they need to make the step forward. Buffalo, Kansas City, uh, this is going to be the matchup of the week. You've got Patrick Mahomes. You've got uh, Josh Allen, who can both throw the ball. They have an incredible receiving team, and it's going to be a great game. I do think Buffalo finally takes that step over Kansas City as they've lost three times in their history to Kansas City. And I think they're going to they're gonna go over the edge. But I'm also talking as a bit of a fan there as well. So excuse the little bit of bias that might be occurring. <laughs> okay, Mr. Fan, what would it take for you to go to an NFL football game in these freezing cold temperatures we've seen so far? <laughs> it would have to be a Super Bowl. It would have to be <laughs> Buffalo in a Super Bowl. I would not want to shovel out my seat like they had to do <laughs> last week, but it would have to be a Super Bowl to be there for the championship. Other than that, I'm not interested in the Aww. list. No, thank you. Uh, we hardly ever see Super Bowls outside of domes or in warm climate these days. Thanks, pal. Thank you. Brock Richardson hits us with the latest in sports with a little update on Fridays, folks, to get you geared and set for your weekend. Coming up next, two celebrities are releasing books this year. Ryan Huey, he's going to tell us more. Man, this guy is excited. He's hopping out of his chair. You might even see it next when we talk to him. Sit down, Ryan. Don't go away. There's more great conversation with Kelly and Ramya right around the corner. And we have so much fun settling back here, especially on a Friday on the show. Not that any other day isn't a lot of fun because we bring so much to you in the way of our contributions from our contributors, committee reporters. We hope that you too, whether you listen to a segment with the show or the complete show, find that variety and, and, and enjoy it. But Friday, we've kind of curtailed it to be this day with a lot of things to get you set for your weekend. I'm Kelly McDonald, co-hosting with me today, Grant Hardy. I was just going to say, like, if you think about the things that you want to do during the weekend, gardening, yeah. watch some sports, play with your phone, read a book. We we kind of got it all on Friday. We do. Yeah. Probably and I think that's the whole idea when we put it together and, and more recently into the run of, of, of the you know, Kelly and Company slash Kelly and Rumya show, we started to think about, hey. Look at all this potential for the Fridays. And uh, mm -hmm. this has become such a, a good time to get people ready for the weekend. And, of course, we have our other days during the week where there's just so much content anyway. And sometimes we, unbeknownst to us, hey, man, this has a bit of a feel to it. Exactly, Kelly. Good theme. And speaking of weekend reading some books, it's time for the Chatty Bookshelf, where we talk all things audiobooks with Ryan Huey. Who knew an entire library could fit inside your pocket? I'm Ryan Huey. This is the Chatty Bookshelf where we talk audiobook trends, news, and author interviews. Happy Friday, Ryan. Hey guys, how's it going? Good. It's going, it's going good, going really well. Uh, let's talk about this first because this is a good segue from our, our show yesterday. We were talking about this a little bit. Uh, huge news from the state of New Mexico. Do you want to share with us? Yes, this was really interesting to me. So this came out and was released Monday, but it's had to have been in the works for months, if not years already. But the state of New Mexico is releasing a law and they're getting it passed into bill sometime in 2024 that would not allow any state or government-funded 
uh, public libraries to ban any books for any reason. It's called House Bill 123, and they say it 123, not 123, and I don't know why. It's not a very catchy name, is it? But uh, <laughs> it's uh, it, it's looking to be passed into bill sometime in 2024. Uh, it's at those final stages, and they're just working out all the little kinks as what I've seen. And the great thing about this is that other states are taking note, and they're jumping on the bandwagon as it's easy to kind of say, uh, in, in business and in things like this, it's nobody wants to be the first. Everybody wants to be a quick second. So I think once <laughs> New Mexico kind of drops this, you'll see a few other states already have theirs in the pipeline ready to ready to go. Yeah, I'm curious about your thoughts on this. We literally talked yesterday about uh, not libraries, but schools uh, in Florida. They've, they've been banning anything that contains sexual content, including the dictionary they pulled it off the shelf for review <laughs> i I, per I personally feel although there's definitely hateful content out there i'm just not sure banning something especially if it's your government that has the power to do it i'm just not yeah. sure that's such a good thing and you know what it's it's really easy to say hindsight's 2020 however what i feel is that I think we lost the line a bit. We've crossed over and we haven't been able to turn back. Like you said, the dictionary. I mean, come on. Yeah, it, <laughs> there's something, you know what I mean? But it, it's there for a reason. It's not as if it's hatred or spreading racism or anything like that. But there's words in there that have evolved and tend to mean some things that they intended didn't intend to mean before, right? So I think what New Mexico is trying to do will be very interesting. I see the the argument for both sides, but I just, I, I don't know which, which is better. I'm damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But I really think that New Mexico, if this is done right, they could be onto something uh, really, really insightful, really great, and really amazing for learning and books and the reading population, right? And maybe more people fall in love with with reading because they haven't been able to get their hands on such and such a book. But I don't know. I mean, it's, I, I don't feel like there's going to be any middle ground. I feel like it's either going to go great yeah. and be the best thing ever, or it's going to crash and burn. Yeah. Exactly. Well, when you talk a dictionary, obviously we say, I mean, as a kid, well, if you're going to use that word, make sure you know what it means. Go find the dictionary. Okay. So there was that meaning, whether it evolved from something else, or I was using some old term or whatever term that we, or word that we, you know, maybe aren't mm -hmm. supposed to use. But when you do get into other books and people saying, look at this book preaches this, it's a negative, it's a horrible, it's whatever. I, th I find in our world now, one of the biggest problems, Ryan, is we used to have the litmus stick. If I had a book and my parents, yes. what are you reading that for? You talked about it. You pulled it out. There was, there was a reason or understanding that you went over. You had a discussion. Now no one has time for it. So, of course, people see stuff online. They may read it in a book. And books are the easiest to ban. And what people are, are finding and reading and on, seeing online that may contain much the same content and unfortunately, nobody can keep up with. I mean, before we used to say, well, know what your kids are watching and reading. Now, yeah. how do you keep up with everyone? And, and I you think know what? There's a third crux here, too. There's a yeah. third crux here, too, whereas, you know what? You tell someone not to do something, the first the thing they immediately want to do, do is go, oh, go yeah. do that. So you have that banned book, and it, it gives it a certain gusto. Oh, I got my hands on this book, and I'm going to read it because it's on the banned books list. Uh, kind of yeah. thing. And I, I think that there's that part of it too, to think about. It's interesting because I have heard people, uh, minority groups talking about 
you know, it's easy for people who have privilege to say that nothing should be banned, like a book that's incredibly hateful about, you know, let's say the disabled community or LGBTQI plus women, etc. I kind of hesitate a little bit with that. But then I, and I'm like, you know, maybe I could see why these could be banned. But then I also mm-hmm. just think of the government. And I'm like, I don't think I think sometimes when governments ban books, it's a little more for their own political self-interest. Mm-hmm. So, well, I think so. Yeah, and, and I think we get wishing people could read that book and say that's uh-huh. wrong, so that you know, mm-hmm. okay, this is a hate against dis- disabled people. Uh, you know, whatever it might be, this is really speaks down that anyone reading it is going to say this is garbage, it's filth. That's not what's going to happen, and I think that's what we worry about, Ryan. I, I, and you guys are absolutely right. And I think we could go at this all day long, right? And, yeah, exactly. you know, there's so many different things to think about because different states have different prerogatives. Mm. Uh, if we're going to use the America as the example, even different provinces have a little bit of a yep. different uh, kind of approach to things. So what's banned in one is not banned in the other. And then it's, it's yeah, that that's where you get that blurred line. And do you cross it? Do you not cross it? How do you get back to where you where you need to be or where you want to be as well, too? There's so many different things involved there. Well, let's get back to what on the course here, what you want to talk a little bit about. We want to make sure we leave enough time. What are we going to talk about in the book world today? There are two huge books coming out, and I'm super pumped about both of them. Uh, Two celebrities are kind of the the headmen of these, and I'm really, really excited for both of them to get released in 2024. I, I can't wait, to be honest. So you guys want to hear what they are? I would love to hear what they are. Yeah. So the course. first one is called The Book of Elsewhere, and it's by mm. none other than Keanu Reeves. And he's wow. best known for The Matrix. Mm. He's been involved in so many different things. Um, he's known for his really kind-hearted soul, the things he gives back, things like that. But what really caught my attention about this, Book of Elsewhere, it's not a memoir. He's not writing about his life. It's a journey into the comic book series, and there's a bunch of capital letters, but when you uncapitalize them, it says Berserker, so I'm thinking that's how you're (laughs) supposed to say it, but it's not spelt the way you would think, so I'm not quite sure how to say it. I'm unfamiliar with the series, but he has a a co-writer, a co-author with him, China and Meville, and I know that's saying it wrong because it's an accent he goes on the E's, and uh, Jaws is not liking it, however... Uh, that's a really huge one that's coming out on July 23rd. So I still got some time to wait, but uh, it's already, uh, they put a pre-sale up and it's sold so many copies already. Uh, Keanu's been on some late night talk shows talking about it and uh, he's really, really excited. So I'm I'm excited about this one. Just the fact that it's not a memoir. I mean, in mm-hmm. most cases, and I'm not saying celebrities can't write, but in most cases, it's a memoir about their life, their journey, yeah. those oh, sorts of things. It's not absolutely. a trip down into the comic book world. Absolutely. And and it's released in all formats too, which is great. So they're 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 kind of holding off and they're gonna do um an ebook, uh hard copy and an audiobook release on the same day, which is very good. Really great to me. Yes. No, it's it's daring, like it's creative because I'm sure a lot of people would just expect, all right, tell us about your life, but this is actually a creative uh project that he's putting out. There, yeah, uh, people get hard on them too. Like, stick to what you know. Just stick to being an actor. Oh, yeah. right. and, and you and you get mad. You say, 
well, what if this is just an interest? If I was just someone who said, yeah, I, I've gotten out and taken up golf or I'm doing it. Oh, that's good for you, Keanu. But as soon as you say, <laughs> well, I'm selling these books, I'm, I'm trying to foray into a different area. I'll well, stick to what you know. You know, well, let me flip it on you, Kelly. Nothing negative. Let, let me flip it on you. Remember we had uh, Hannah Mary McKinnon and all of her mm -hmm. murder mysteries. And she's like, oh, write what you know. And she's like, as if I know anything about murder. <laughs> about murder. Kind of thing, right? <laughs> but her books have all been chart toppers. So it's kind of like, oh, well, it's all about what you say, who your audience is and, and what, you're, what you're looking to do. But And did you enjoy yourself, right? So if this is something you really oh, wanted yes. to do, I'm happy you got the chance to do it. And we'll see what I, like I said, I'm, I'm well, waiting for the pre-order to come out where I buy my books and I can't wait for it to, to kind of add to my library. Look at, he's in a position where he can say, Hey, I found someone who's going to work with me on this. We're going to do this. Uh, we're going to have fun doing it. Why? Why? Because I can. Yeah. And that's as simple as that. What's the second book? It's called what this comedian said by Bill Maher. And I'm oh. really excited about this because this one has all the makings to be hilarious. Uh, there's a lot of research that went into it. And despite what uh, everyone might think, it's, uh, it's, it has a lot of truth to it. Uh, Simon & Schuster has won the rights to this and they're proud and boastful and they've been popping this all over uh, social media. Uh, so what Bill has done is he's went through over 20 years of monologues, of skits, of sketches, of his stand-up, and he's brought some of the best stories that he's covered and his thoughts on them, which he claims, and so does Simon & Schuster, that they're all true. These are exactly what he thinks. It's not made up. Uh, it's not a fiction. And it's some of the most political things in the U.S. It's some of the uh, things outside of what's happening in the world, pop culture, some of the things, and he pokes fun at a lot best thing he's narrating it and what simon mm. issues this is a direct quote it says some of the <laughs> some of the most funny but truthful and innovative things that have happened in the u.s are covered in this potheads uh pothead storytelling <laughs> and and truthful kind of accounts of the u.s history so i'm really interested to see what they got going on because he's had quite the career and he's very open about um about his marijuana use and and things like that and over the years uh, there's even some comments in the in the book about oh I was high while I did this show and and that sort of thing because sure, yeah. he's actually he's actually said some things about the book and it's really interesting to kind of get his glimpse and this is essentially I would put it as a memoir it's just putting into um into words and onto paper what uh, what his shows have meant to him over the years um where he started his career and some of the things he's got to experience in in his lifetime you know growing up in in rural usa and living in the big city mm -hmm. traveling the world to do these things he gets a, a first-hand look at a lot of things so i'm really interested in this one because i think it's going to be heartfelt truthful yet have that teetering and pushing the line of funny yet inappropriate and i think that's <laughs> in right now with with comedians no, yeah and it's 20 years you said which is quite a huge amount of research just thinking about as you said even his recreational you know, substance yeah. use, like just looking back 20 years ago, that would have been super unacceptable. Now it's like legal and, you know, it's happening all over the place. Just uh, looking back through that, the political history of the last couple of decades too, that sounds really fascinating. I think I might have mm -hmm. to get my hands on this. 
And just I'd like you like you said, twenty years ago it was two thousand and four. How different was everything? I mean, if you had high speed internet in your house, you were a king at that point, right? Exactly. So it's, it's, and now we carry the internet around in our pockets on a phone. So it's uh, I mean, even look back if you knew how to text, right? It was a it was a different time oh. back then, and it's really interesting. I can't wait to hear some of the even the lighter tales about the that observations. Kind of stuff, you know, yeah, you exactly. know the technology is going to come up for sure. Uh. Ryan, we're a little tight for time here, but thanks so much. You've given us uh, at least a couple of things to put on our book list for a little later. I'm always looking to grow your guys to read this. Thanks so much. <laughs> Have a good weekend and stay warm and out of the snow, guys. Thanks, Bob. Yeah, you too. I uh, Man, I need to read more. I think I just need to go through all his segments and find find my next reading project. Uh, Ryan Huey joins us every Friday for the Chatty Bookshelf. Start capturing more and more books. Coming up, folks, we'll stop for a couple of moments here, and we will revisit some of the conversations that we've had over the past uh, past week. We'll weigh in on some of those. We call the segment Cut for Time. Up next. It's fun, insightful, and inclusive. Kelly and Ramya return in a minute. Folks, remember to check out our podcast, subscribe using your favorite podcast platform. You can listen to the show in its complete version when we toss on the audio vanity card today. Ramya supplies us with that. And that's at the end of the full show podcast. But hey, man, if you have your favorite segment and you would rather listen that way, just check that out. That way we can accommodate you. We have the show also posted in segment form. While you're in there, if you don't mind, give us a rating and review. I'm Kelly McDonald at the Home Studio, London, Ontario. Grant Hardy joining me today, co-hosting on the program, and he's at the home studio in Vancouver. And from her home studio, Edmonton, Alberta, we also have Beth Deer with us on the program. We call this segment Cut for Time, folks. And we reflect every week on some of the conversations that we've had and taken part in. We call the segment Cut for Time. And here's a place for us just to add a little additional comments or feelings or thoughts and kick it around a little bit. Uh, we'll share a little bit bit of clips for you. I want to start with Tuesday's Voices segment, guys. We spoke with Know Your Rights contributor Danielle McLaughlin. Here she is talking about some of the high-profile people that she's met. Well, um, I've, I've been very fortunate to meet wonderful people. When I was working at the Canadian Civil Liberties Association, they had a very large uh, board of directors. They still have a very large board of directors. In fact, I was... Uh, on a meeting with a a, um, a board within the, the Civil Liberties Association yesterday, and I think there were 40 or so people on. But there were a lot of um, politicians, and I was reminded when, um, sadly, Ed Broadbent passed away this past week that I had met him. Uh, he was a charming and kind person, I had met uh, Stanfield, Robert Stanfield, a name that you don't hear very much any longer, but he, both he and Ed Broadbent have been called the finest prime ministers Canada never had. Um, they, they were uh, leaders of the opposition, and they were people who were true gentlemen. When I was a, a kid, I used to love watching the parliament, you know, just, just watching what went on anytime it was on the news. I tried to understand and learn a lot. I was a huge Pierre Elliott Trudeau fan as a child. I felt it was more in my life than probably young people feel today, knowing our leaders and stuff. Watching Mulroney 
um, and, and you know, and and Ed Broadbent banter, watching them get along, talking, and just what we would see was always fun, and and, and that to me, they were for the party. Um, now I find we get a little more of that individualism and you hear us talk sports and get annoyed that the referees have something to do with the game or certain players make it, it it's about them. And that's always been part of, we see more of that in politics now, but back then it was definitely about the party, but also, you know, these people had a, a charisma, a character. Um, I had the chance to meet John Turner and, you know, it was so wonderful to sit down, talk to him, did an interview for an AMI, a former program we used to have on AMI-audio years back, um, and we were talking about the flags. And it was just wonderful to settle back and the time they had. I've heard the stories about people sitting down uh, in a food court in Montreal and Long would come after his uh, tender as prime minister, would come Pierre Elliott Trudeau pick up his food and ask, do you mind if I sit down at your table? Oh, oh no, sir, sure. Uh, or the other way around. He'd be in there and people have mentioned going over and asking, oh, uh, uh, you know, Mr. Prime Minister, may I sit down with you? And he had time to talk, especially his beloved Montreal Canadians and stuff like that. So I, I hear these stories and I love that kind of stuff probably more than I do during their tender serving the the you know their their work whether it's as prime minister or party leader um i really find that stuff really embracing and as a child it made me interested in the people in a different way than even as an adult um that i would find i'm interested i mean yes yes of course i trusted them more oh not one of them would ever tell a fib right you know not one would ever break a promise Right. That's what it seemed to me, Grant, back then as that naive child. And I kind of liked that. Yeah, I think that you're correct in a way that maybe people are becoming a little bit more individualistic now. I feel like enough has kind of happened where I don't want to say trust has been kind of irrevocable irrevocably destroyed that's not the case but i do feel that people are just more more stressed out and more uh, ambivalent maybe distrustful of our governments now because oh, just oh. the the economy things happening with the economy we have access to so much more information now so it's kind of easy to cross-reference stuff and find out you know we Oh, uh, they didn't do exactly what they said they were going to do. Uh, I, I definitely find that it's less about sort of being loyal to a party for me and more just kind of like, okay, who is going to sort of represent the, the few things that really affect me or the things that I'm really passionate about. Uh, but I definitely find, uh, Beth, uh, that for me, I'm, I guess, more attached to non-governmental organizations, civil rights, organization stuff mm -hmm. like that but the the government i have to agree i just don't that. know mm -hmm. yeah no i completely agree with that grant like kelly i love the fact that you can like sit here and like tell us these stories like i think yeah. that's awesome but like for me personally like politics people in politics straight over my head danielle <laughs> however i could sit and listen to her talk for ages like she is so fantastic and her segments i just get so so sucked in and yeah i just think danielle is awesome and 
she always brings us like such interesting stuff that I like wouldn't have even thought to question but the fact that she was on voices the other day and was actually able to talk about herself like the fact she was a dancer who knew I had no idea that she used to be a dancer back in the day and obviously now she loves swimming and she'll go swimming Mm -hmm. when it's like two degrees in the water I'm like (laughs) oh my goodness I would not do that (laughs) (laughs) So now switching to Thursday, uh, Mary Mamalidi stopped by and talked about some food trends that are making waves this year. So here she is telling us about that now. Projected for 2024 are culinary combinations and melty mashups, which honestly I am looking forward to (laughs) because they sound so good. Melty always says cheese to me. Yep. Right. So this year we're going to let our curiosity run wild. And I want you to mash your two favorite cheesy dishes together. So right now, trending, cheeseburger tacos, right? So this means soft tortillas. They're filled with all the fixings of a hamburger, including the ketchup and the mayo. Give it a shot. Never know. Uh, Or maybe keeping your fingers clean with gummy candy kebabs are my new favorite. Honestly, my new favorite mashup is carbonara ramen. Right? Why not just mix that up? And then maybe try a burger quesadilla or a pizza pot pie. Right? Just get ready. 2024, it's a kitchen revolution. Right? It's it's like I said, creativity takes the lead, finding simple, exciting ways to give a fresh twist on some of our favorite homemade dishes. I always leave Mary's segments so inspired about like what I want to create. And she really made me think yesterday about food trends and one that sticks out to me that I feel like has actually kind of stuck around and I don't know if you guys remember this at all but it was when people started making uh like wraps or like they'd put tortillas and they would kind of set it into quarters where they would have like their meat their cheese their veg and then they would kind of fold it up into a triangle almost and then they'd put it in the toaster and toast it do you guys remember that no, but it sounds actually good. <laughs> it was so good, and yeah. I was obsessed with it for the longest time. <laughs> um, but it's like it is something that's kind of stuck around. It's something that I still do every once in a while. But yeah, Mary really made me think about random food trends. And another one was that like custard toast. Did you did you guys see that where you'd kind of like squish the oh. center of your bread, and then Ooh. you'd fill it with like I think it was like egg and jam i think you'd like mix it together and then you'd put it in the oven for a few minutes and it oh would kind gosh. of make like this custody toast sorry patronus decided to get up and shake about um if you could hear that but yeah it, just, it really toast. made me think he is he's, wow. got, he's on the hunt for custard toast i will say that was one that i don't it was a really great idea i don't know if i did it wrong but it was one that I wasn't as in love with as the as the tortilla ones. Do you guys have any random food trends that you remember, Kelly? Mm. Mm. I, I can't say as I do. I probably certainly partook in things that people would say, hey, I, I mean, I I always go on about my favorite dessert, the thing that's so blatantly easy to do is waffles and ice cream. And I always yeah. laugh because people say to me, Kelly, what's the big deal about it? And in my head, 
I'm not a, I've never been a vanilla ice cream person. I found it boring, but you have to use vanilla ice cream to make the waffle and ice cream. I don't know why. It's the way it interacts and stuff like that. I absolutely love it and go through that trend once in a while. Jeez. I should have one of those. Other than that, I don't necessarily feel, probably I've caught on to a food and said, hey, this is kind of cool. Um, I did note yesterday the the way things cycle around. Pineapple, Mary was saying, so big mm -hmm. this year, we can expect a lot. And I got thinking back to mango. And I love mango years ago. So when it started to become that thing, whether it was a jam, whether it was just fresh mango, or people using it and having it or cooking with it, it just, to me, Grant, became something so enjoyable so fresh and when you talk certain foods and i love my heavy foods but i certainly feel it afterward but when you talk fruit and cold stuff like that and the right salad in the summertime wow that just goes right through you like we were talking about those uh snake plants mm -hmm. always learn a fresh. lot from always learn a lot from mary and super interesting to learn about some cool new food trends one really weird thing about me and it's actually caused a fair amount of difficulty in my life but I also just have to laugh about it because it's funny is I'm an incredibly picky eater so the stuff that I tend not to eat is like sauces and cheese and things that sort of go like on food so when I order you know like a taco or a burger whatever and it's literally like meat and bread mm. and they'll be like mm. okay yeah you want it plain but like you want like a bunch of sauces on it right and this other stuff no I said plain like meat and bread so a lot of these food <laughs> trends I'm just kind of listening to and I'm kind of like oh that's gonna really disrupt my eating pattern uh in general because how much more plain can I get? Um, Don't ruin it with so, sauce. <laughs> mm, yeah, you gotta, gotta, yeah, exactly. So literally, <laughs> whenever we we filmed inside like a burger place or something, they'd be like, I don't want you to show the burger that you're eating on TV because it's so small. <laughs> um, yeah. Always learn a lot from her. Also, we learn a lot from Christine Melek. We talked to her mm -hmm. uh, yes, uh, yesterday as well. And she joined us to chat about irrigation systems and how they work. But in this clip, we had a really great discussion on how blind people don't always understand visual systems and what items look like from a big picture. It's it's so true what you said about how we, we it's sort of awkward to admit that we don't always understand these things because in this presentation I was asking about you know these these details and he said well there's a levy and then I said mm, okay actually what, I don't know what a levy yeah. is and, he, and then he kind of it was a sighted guy and he's a great guy but just sort of off the cuff with that thing he's like well don't you know that song and the levy the levy is dry and I'm like okay yeah but that doesn't give me yeah. any so there's all of these culture gaps right that we have and um I love AI I love AI yeah, and for this just, yeah just those things where you're embarrassed to just keep asking and keep asking for more <laughs> descriptions awkward. and now with ai you yeah. can ask it whatever the heck you want right? i'll talk to you all day uh, and it doesn't laugh at you what do you mean right? asking that Chevy to and it doesn't go, what do you mean? don't you know that song the levy is dry <laughs> okay that doesn't help me though <laughs> yeah <laughs> and we've more. talked about that with wind farms right because how recent have you climbed up that let's see what this thing does right. which way does it go vertically or horizontally so I want to be really clear that I'm not generalizing for all blind people. Um, however, I do think sometimes if you are born totally blind like I am, I, there's, a, there's a lot of stuff that 
you maybe take for granted or those really big picture stuff like you know what does the hollywood walk of fame look like or what does you know i don't know what do all those parts of the building look like or feel like that you don't know about you never go into i used to i used to try and get my hands on as much as possible you know what does an airplane feel like whatever uh and it can be a little bit difficult plus i believe from an educational point of view um just talking to a vision teacher about this the other day people learn to cover up so instead of asking questions mm-hmm. you kind of pretend like yeah uh-huh yeah I, I know what you're talking about just like christine was saying because people make assumptions that you know absolutely and I think that one thing that is really cool about AI, I have to be honest, I have a a really love-hate relationship with it because I think there's a lot of aspects of it that are really negative. But I think one cool thing about it is you can just keep running photos and objects and whatever Mm -hmm. through it all day, ask clarifying questions, Beth, and really get a handle on what things look like without being laughed at. Absolutely. And I think... um like what you said grant obviously you were born totally blind i was someone who lost my sight as a teenager and i remember when i went to what i call the braille jail i know kelly refers to his as the blind school um but when i did go to a school for the blind there were a lot of other kids there and i would say majority of the people that were at that school hadn't lost their vision but had been born with the amount of sight they had like at the same at the time that we were all at school and I had so many people say to me like oh like that's so sad that must be so hard for you but I and not to rub it in (laughs) but I am very grateful that I was able to see beforehand because I did get to experience things that obviously Grant like you've never been able to experience and like I hold such a large amount of like gratitude for that because I I think that, yeah, I just think that I'm so incredibly lucky. With that being said, though, I kind of want to say, like, it's almost like we mask how, like, the same way that people with autism do. And it's like, you don't want to upset people by, you know, not being able to have the conversation that they they want to have with you, you know? Yeah, yeah it's so true. I, I know myself, I was very lucky. I had a parent parents that would if i was curious about something let's go walk around that even if it was a small Mm -hmm. version of that airplane i you know my father and mother would find that place where i could actually kind of do that or pick up that toy or whatever and try to do the explaining i remember jj hunt who we bring on the show here once a month was doing a tour through Toronto and there was a, they came across a streetcar and part of the tour they were talking about it and he referenced the cable above the streetcar and then went to move on to another thing he had to describe and the group of low vision blind people were curious about that cable. They asked them to explain a bit more. To, they didn't quite understand. What is that? Explain what it does. How does it work? How does it connect to the car? All these things. And he said, you know, I wouldn't have ever thought that would be the thing we'd spend an extra 10, 15 minutes talking about. So again, with us unable to picture some of those things, because we can't put our arms around a 747. Not yet. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's mm-hmm. those things we have to imagine. And Beth, I've had all sorts of names for the blind school, but if I said some of them, they would let me back in. Uh, Beth, thanks for joining us for Cut for Time as usual. Thanks for having me, you guys. We'll chat next week. 
You betcha. Uh, Grant and I will return on the other side of the break. We'll tease you a little bit about what's coming up over the weekend on AMI-TV, AMI-audio, and tell you a little bit about our show for Monday. And, of course, the closing minute. We'll be right back. We'll be back with more of Kelly and Ramya after this short break. Remember to check out the podcast whenever you get that chance, folks. Appreciate it. Subscribe. Look for the Kelly and Rumya podcast and check out a lot of those segments that we mentioned. Uh, we started the show with tech. We're going to get into a little bit of tech for our closing moment. I can't say minute because it takes longer than a minute to get through it. That's for sure. What's coming up on the weekend, though, ladies and gentlemen? Hosted by Hannah Taus and Laura Kirker, The Guardian Long Reign airs Saturday on AMI-audio. Listen for in-depth reporting, essays, and profiles from The Guardian, a British daily newspaper with a distinct, distinctly international focus on politics, economics, and environmental issues. That's The Guardian Long Reign, Saturday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time on AMI-audio. Stay up late on Sunday night and catch stand-up comedy uh, comic DJ... Damaris and the new AMI TV comedy one more time when a customer unknowingly trades in some very valuable uh, rocket Richard skates DJ sets out to find their rightful owner despite Cynthia's wishes to use the cash to help spruce up their store tune in to one more time Sunday at 11 p.m. Eastern on AMI TV. Our closing moment today, folks, batteries, the ubiquitous technology. In the modern world, batteries have become an integral part of our lives, powering a wide range of devices that have become uh, indispensable, from uh, small wa button watches to our lithium uh, batteries in our smartphones and electric vehicles. The ubiquity of batteries is everywhere. The history of batteries uh, dates back all the way to the 18th century. Since then, technology has advanced, leading to uh, different types of batteries and portable devices, as laptops, smart top, uh, sorry, smartphones, all rely on these batteries to use them on the go, folks, as well as uh, to powering consumer electronics and vehicles. They play a, a very large part in uh, renewable energy storages and, of course, medical. Grant, we owe a lot to batteries. I have to say that. And this is an interesting item about it. Do we ever? And batteries are so ubiquitous, we depend on them so much. And they're so infuriating, too. Like, how we haven't figured out how do we keep the phone charged up more than, you know, so we don't have to plug it in three times a day. Uh, <laughs> hopefully, some improvements on batteries uh, over the years. But, man, they're so cool, amazing, and ubiquitous. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And we talked about them in cars. We know that with the cold, as we've been dealing with now across North America... They've got to take that into account before pushing their agenda with it so much, even though it is the way to go to cut back on so much pollution. <laughs> on our show Monday, we start at 2 p.m. Eastern time. Michael Babcock talks with uh, Michael Cowell uh, from Numa Solutions to talk about the RIM offer for its members. Also, Mark Flalo of Access Tech Live joins us to recap the Consumer Electronics Show and all the fun and random gadgets that uh, piqued his interest. Oh, man, that'll be fun. Grant, once again, appreciate you being with us a few days this week and a little more duty than just bringing segments. Thanks, pal. Enjoy the weekend. Have a fantastic one. It's been way too much fun. Folks, you do the same, please. Enjoy yourselves now. Get out of here, will you? <laughs> Hosts, Kelly McDonald and Ramia Amadin. Reporter, Grant Hardy. Senior show producer, Jeff Ryman. 
Visual producer, Megan McGrath. Producer, Marianne Dion Jones. Graphics, Andrew Antonello. Production assistant, Kingsley Juco. Control room operators, Daniel Penamondo, Eliza Rocco, Parker Oxtoby. Director, Irene Solomon. Manager of live production, Paula Deneen. Manager of operations, Kyle Harper. Manager of AMI-audio, Andy Frank. Director of TV production, Kara Nye. Vice President, Content Development and Production, John Melville. President and CEO, David Arrington. Give us your feedback, 1-866-509-4545. Copyright 2023, Accessible Media Inc. Since some nasty bug or another is going around pretty much everywhere and people are getting either kind of sick or really sick, including myself, uh, I thought I would talk about what was normal growing up in my family on sick protocol, if you will. Cold protocol, cold and flu protocol. And it was kind of all over the place. My dad would pop any and all pills, a lot of it just being, you know, Tylenols and Advils and uh, anti-inflammatories to for the relief of it all. My mother swore up and down that there is no point in taking these kind of pills. Sure, temporary relief, but what is that actually doing to your immune system? Nothing, nothing, nothing. So let's... Um, do steam baths and let's uh, drink ginger teas, ginger and garlic, and let's slurp honey right out of the actual uh, containers, which I took very seriously, of course. You know, raw sugar, why not? And <laughs> and uh, as I get older and now living not with my family, I think, okay, what of that have I taken? I really don't do a lot of cold and flu meds, but I do uh, drink a lot of tea and not as much with the steam stuff, but you know, honey and lemon and ginger and garlic and all that stuff. So I think I've kind of swayed towards my mom's side of uh, taking care of things naturally, but I will take the face numbing hulls and the face numbing lozenges with more than just... Um, more than just menthol in it because when the throat gets affected whew, that is exhausting i'm margaret shepherd of the ami podcast tripping on air every month my co-host alex hajar and i spill the tea on what it's really like to live with ms watch tripping on air on youtube or download wherever you get your pods